The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of the wrap right here on the fight game media network and it is a brand new week in wwe it is a busy week in wwe it's SummerSlam week in wwe and it's a new week regarding someone not being in wwe any longer which was really unprecedented news this past friday i am your host keila cash and by my side as always is my right hand man my co-captain the special counsel to his tribal chief at the crib, the sometimes advocate for Von Wagner, and now former member of Maximum Male Models. I bring to you, as always, Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty. Thank you, Keela, for having me. It's always a, a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE with you in the week that was. And uh, if my man Dupree is out, then I'm out. So, yeah, you're right about the former part. Um, you know, I was almost Perky Scott coming into this show on the free feed because of the news and, you know, because of what was going on. But old Gigi had to go and tell me that I should be rocking a Steph Curry jersey. So <laughs> we almost had beef. But instead of me having beef, you know, I meditated and instead of me being perky, I'm still salty, Scott, but I'm here. I'm excited. You know, we, we, we brought some company. You know, we got the door open. Beers are cracked. It's going to be a good show. Now, you were promised to say a certain something, something on this show and wear an alternative jersey because you don't like Steph. So do you at least have any Clay Thompson attire on by any chance? Man, let me tell you what I got on. I have on a Virginia lottery random white T-shirt. That's what I got on right now. Let me go ahead and tell you that. Bump Clay, bump the Warriors, bump, bump, bump. What are, what are we doing right now? What are we doing? This is supposed to be happy times. This is good times. This is a good week. Right? We're bringing me down. 
Well, you know, it's my job to do that sometimes, despite the mood we're supposed to be in. It's a celebratory mood. We're happy, but I have to make your life hell, even if we're in the off season. So my apologies. (laughs) That's that new media stuff. (laughs) The new media. Oh, the new media is here in ways we cannot imagine. But joining us for this very special episode of The Wrap is the third chair, the third man in the seat this week, a member of the Fight Game Media family, and he is here for all of the major news stories we've had him on for this year. Back, as always, Jeremy Finestone. Welcome back, Jeremy. I don't plan this, you guys. I just sign up for a date and be like, cool, and then all this stuff happens. And now... And now I get the opportunity to be here with you two and see the WWE ship enter the rough, salty waters of Scott's perspective and Keela's perspective and my perspective here as we talk about some crazy shit that happened this week. And it was cuckoo banana crazy. It was something that we kind of saw coming, but it's still surprising when the news broke nonetheless. And Jeremy and I had a Twitter conversation on Monday predicting something is going to happen this week. It's not going to be good. And it was really the bellwether sign of Titus O'Neil's promo that kicked off Monday Night Raw. We communicated and we knew, you know what? Something's breaking this week and it's not going to be good. It uh, it just felt incredibly awkward watching that show. And you're like, oh, that's the kind of week this is going to be cool. Cool, 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 cool. So here we are. And the week that has been has ended. And why did it end the way it did? Well, let's get to it, shall we? So what do you want to talk about? Oh, yes. The breaking news that I found out on the top of my Twitter feed at four o'clock Eastern that Vince McMahon has retired from WWE. That was the first tweet I saw on my timeline. And I thought, is this a fake account? Is this a parody account? I'm 77. It's time for me to retire. Then now, together forever. I'm like, is this real? And it was real. Vince McMahon, the chairman of the board, the founder of today's WWE, has stepped aside after 40 years on the job. And I thought I would never see today. He has vowed to die in the chair for years. And now he has to step aside due to the ongoing hush payment scandal that the Wall Street Journal broke about a month ago. And more news stories have leaked and dropped courtesy of various outlets and variety to the rap. Not this show, the rap, but the online outlet, the rap. And there is going to be another piece coming that might be even more damning than the stories we already know about. So I want to get to Scott first because this news was seismic. We kind of saw it coming, but to see it all in black and white on your Twitter timeline, Scott, what was your first initial reaction to this news of Vince's retirement from WWE? Absolutely shocked. I- I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't think this was coming anytime soon. I mean, we just because we've seen we've seen Vince McMahon beat everything. Like he just somehow comes out on the other end and this was, I mean, to, to actually see it happen, to see the words written down, to not see it, him do go in the ring and say, I'm retiring. And, you know, Triple H come out and, you know, force some tears like he's constipated on the toilet and then give him a hug on the way out. You know, not one of those segments, but him to do it on Twitter. But the only time he uses that is to wish his, you know, Triple H happy birthday and not his actual son. 
that that's when you know like you know this is it's like wow this is this is might be legit right here so it's I, I'm gonna be honest I was completely blindsided shocked but you know then the, my immediate next thought was what comes next like what in the world is the next bomb that's about to drop because if he's retiring he know he knows something is already out something's already in the works and something big is coming so my next thought first i was completely shocked blindsided then my next thought was what's next that was my feeling as well i was wondering what story is so big that you that beat the government can't fight back on because you can't fight the truth. And in this day and time, we can't sweep sexual coercion under the covers anymore. It's me too. It's time's up. It's speaking out. This is the era that we're living in. There is no more hush payments. There's no more NDAs out there that you can hide behind. And I just thought to myself, there is something else coming that is scaring this man to the point of retirement. That would have been unheard of six months ago unheard of a few weeks ago but here we are so jeremy when you found out the news that vince was retiring from wwe what was your first initial reaction my first reaction i'm not kidding was there it is just like that i was like it was either gonna happen or it wasn't and it was gonna drop at a time where nobody was really like having it on their radar uh but it was unceremonious almost it was as muted a declaration as they could do without making it abundantly while making it abundantly clear what was going on you know they did the they did the corporate press release uh he sent that completely bizarre uh uh email to the talent that was meant to get out because he plugged his own show his own show, his own people but you know when you put it all the press releases everywhere and you throw it in there oh yeah smackdown's on there everything to the very end was calculated with this guy but you have to think about it why now? Why was it so sudden? Uh, he's got an MSG uh, show on Monday, or did. I am still in the present tense here. Uh, he, they, there was an MSG show on Monday, and he he's out of the company on a Friday before. He couldn't even wait to do that one more MSG show. Uh, that is that is spectacular spectacularly uh a spectacular note to to take note of basically because they love msg it's the whole deal uh so why my guess would be you know another article or maybe one of the tv things coming up the real sports or something like that that could be pretty devastating and they're just trying to get ahead of it and if they get ahead of it way early and then enough time passes maybe it's not a shotgun blast and it's a couple of gut shots instead it just sounds big it just sounds as if they got people on the record to say something and it scared vince and normally he's not scared of the media oh we didn't knew remember he got in bob Costas's face two decades ago and said what's up so this is huge and in some ways, it's a long time coming because I'm tired of this toxicity permeating WWE. It's been going on for a very long time. Yeah, the Old Boys Network, that's breaking up officially. Thank goodness for that. But I do want to go to this idea of it's New York City. It's MSG. 
You mm-hmm. couldn't wait until after the show on Monday. This is your city, you say. This is the Mecca. This is the world's most famous arena. And to not even have that farewell there, it's very telling that something scared him to the point of, you know what? It's time to step aside. And it's just shocking it took this for it to happen the way that it did. He didn't even show up one more time. He was so cocky. He was so arrogant about his appearances to the point where it was reported what he said backstage. And, you know, I'm going to reserve my F words for when I want to say them, not when he says them. But, you know, what he said was pretty, pretty crappy towards the fandom and the people that he's hurt in the past. So not a good look for the guy. I, uh, I, I think it's pretty interesting that he's been surrounded by so many yes men that when he was actually challenged by something at his age, he didn't know what to do. He, everything about his life at this point, from what I understand, was all WWE and he had everyone telling him what he wanted to hear and wouldn't take or and would do what he wanted. And if he ran into people that were not going to do that with him, I think it could mentally break him. The game has changed. And while he thought he could run the game, not everywhere. And maybe now when it comes to your own family, because we have talked about this on this show over the last few months, the WWE succession games are no joke. And this goes back all the way to this year's Warrior Rumble when Shane tried to big shot his way into the Rumble and do his thing and Vince shot him down. And think about this, the same day Vince steps down, Triple H steps back in as EVP of Talent Relations, a job he lost a year ago due to health issues and ultimately how NXT 1.0 fared against AEW nearly three years ago. So to have Triple H back in his spot where he was a year ago, that's equally as telling to say, oh, I know what's best for business. I know how to run your developmental system. And now you're gone. And I can only imagine the ramifications for developmental because Triple H's mindset was, you know what? I'm not about size. I'm not about, you know, you got to be an athlete in sports and football and basketball and track and field is nice to have. And we can train you. But I do respect the NDC and I do see value in people that might not be the quote unquote look and image we're looking for in WWE. And I do wonder with Triple H back where he was a year ago, are we going to revert back to what we're looking for in a WWE superstar and removing ourselves from the Vince McMahon mindset, Scott? So this is where I think it gets interesting because I actually think if he tries to go back and recreate that black and gold, I don't think it's going to work because we, we have that in AEW. Like we, we have that vision. We have that, that super indie. I mean, I don't mean that in any type of insult, but that's what NXT, the black and gold was. It was a super indie just under the WWE umbrella. And so we have that. I, if he can just put that into the 2.0 mix, because I, I personally like what 2.0 has done as far as where was Braun Breaker at? Where were the Creed brothers at? Where was Tiffany at? Where was Carmelo Hayes at? Like these guys, he won that breakout tournament, but that's literally all I remember about him. Like there were guys and girls that, weren't getting the opportunities because of you had these great names. I mean, I get it. Like, look who you had on the roster. But I think that this this is the vision and what 
NXT at its core and at its root and at its beginning was, is, and should be. It should still be your grooming ground. So I'm hoping we just keep the 2.0 vision and now we get a little bit of Triple H added it. So now we can add some of those veterans and get it more blended, get a better mix. Because I, like the Grayson Wallers and just people like that, that's because of 2.0. All of that is simply because of 2.0. And I just, I hope we don't drift too far away from that because you're right. There's going to be a pretty, I, I genuinely, there's going to be a pretty seismic shift in how we see things or not how we, but how Triple H views how things are going to go. So yeah, I, I think there's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out going forward. Yeah. So we talked about on the show extensively in the last few months about the reboot of NXT and that it needed to happen in some ways because we should plateau. And I go back to a comment that Swerve Strickland made about Triple H's NXT that he had his favorites for a very long time. Shayna Baszler, Rhea Ripley, Adam Cole, the entire Undisputed Era. He had his faves. And it was time to elevate other people like Swerve, Keith Lee, Bianca Belair. It took a long time for him to say, you know what, let's pass the torch to other people that can carry this brand. And that was the reason why NXT 1.0 plateaued the way it did. You hung on too long to something that was no longer fresh or exciting. AEW was the brand new shiny toy that everybody wanted to see and to experience. So that was Triple H's downfall. With 2.0, you do see a lot of diamonds in the rough that you can work with and you can finesse and you get ready for the main roster. But I do hope that whatever happens with the with the developmental is that we get to see more refinement on tv and less inexperienced talent that's my drawback to be a star i don't need to see the trial and error on tv i need to see you at least 70 percent ready for prime time and we can go back to that format because we found the bond breakers and the creed brothers and carmelo and trick and grayson waller and tiffany stratton we found a lot of talented people in the last year or so but there is still work to be done in terms of behind the scenes and getting people ready for prime time that's where you got level up that's where you have, thankfully, the coconut circuit back and running again. But I just want those two hybrids to be one so it can be a well-ordered machine that's going to help people get ready for the main roster. So, Jeremy, what's your take on Triple H's return as EVP of Talent Relations and how you think the hiring process and how WWE produces stars will change moving forward as well? Well, you know, I am of the opinion that Triple H, as the head of EVP, should leave NXT operating the way it is and him simply overseeing the big parts of it that need his attention. Uh, he should stick with the main roster of Raw and SmackDown as his primary focus because I've been on record saying in the past, Vince McMahon has done a lot of damage to that roster from where they were developed on NXT and where they were perceived as on the main roster. And that could be something that Triple H can garner a lot of goodwill with talent by rehabilitating uh, both the images of some of these performers back to what was originally a collaboration between him and the talent. And that could work with several of them. Now, unfortunately, a lot of his favorites are no longer with the company, but there are still people that trust him and would count on him. 
And I, I think his attention is best served being at the main roster level, kind of triaging the talent relationship, cultivating a new one now that Vince is presumably gone forever, and maybe even bringing some people back like Sasha and Naomi, who were more Triple H people than they were Vince people, from my understanding. And uh, that could really change the game in a lot of ways, too. I thought about that a lot in the last day or so. That relationship, those relationships could be mended now because I do find it very interesting. They never outright said Sasha was released from WWE. She's taking dates for conventions here and there, but we never got the definitive answer of her being released by WWE. And with WWE being under new management and considering how they both walked out and quite frankly, rightfully so, look who they were dealing with at the end of their run. Like now we get to possibly correct the mess that Vince and John Laurinaitis created. And by the way, based on Triple H's new title, John Ace is out the door. And for that, I am very, very, very thankful. But unceremoniously gone. <laughs> but he was a top scumbag too. Um, you know, uh, one thing I, I think that, that you brought up is interesting as well, um, as far as, you know, the favorites and the quote unquote favorites and the guys and girls who are Vince's people, are Triple H's people, like you know, what happens to guys like like The Miz, guys like Austin Theory, you know, because The Miz doesn't really fit into a, a Triple H vision as far as what he wants to build. That's that's not the type of guy he is. Austin Theory, we know he's a big Vince guy. Like that's that's his biggest backer. Where where do where kind of where do the dominoes and the chips fall with some of these guys and girls? Because a guy like Baron Corbin, I'm, I wonder how universally loved he is backstage. Like how much does a Triple H and a stuff like yeah, Baron, you're you're still our guy. We still trust you. Or how much of that was Vince, man? Like th- this is Vince's guy. Like Lacey Evans seems like a Vince guy. You know that definitely seems like a or a Vince girl. I mean, like that's how Lacey Evans comes off to me. You know, tall, blonde. Nice, nice body, nice build. That's that's Vince. That's that's what he loves in a woman. So I, I just, you know, I do wonder how those chips fall as well as far as the talent and the quote unquote favorites. Scott, I'm gonna say the nicest thing I'm ever gonna say on record about the Miz right now. Are you ready for this? I don't know if I am. Hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, <laughs> yeah. hold on. Let me I, crack your knuckles. Well, get comfortable. I got my, I got my try drink and, right uh, here. Hold on. Let me take a try. Step. Try and take a moment here to just kind of breathe it in and and solidify this moment. Okay, Kila, you listening to? You ready? My ears are wide open. That's a big one. If you can't make money with the Miz, you shouldn't be able to. You shouldn't be trying to make money. Preach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a role for a guy like the Miz in pro wrestling and triple H Paul of however you want, whatever. Uh, he, he's smart enough to know that. I don't think the Miz is going anywhere. I don't think Lacey is going anywhere anytime soon. There are things that can be done with these talents that can make a wholesale wrestling show as it is a variety show. Not everything can be the same. And Miz has something to offer that a whole lot of other people don't. And if you can't make money with the Miz, get out of the business sounds good there it to me. is <laughs> i mean it sounds like gospel to me what do you think i mean Kila? the proof is in the pudding he's been around for 20 years got 15, a show years. got his own show he, uh i mean i don't love him but i can't sit here and say that he 
doesn't deserve the accolades of being a top wrestling star in the industry and having a longevity and career that most people dream of. So there it is. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, Scott's years made after those compliments. I paid the Miz a couple of love shots in the last few months, and I don't regret Look, it. I, I did it for a year. I, I this, is, this is gonna last me a year or two. Like I did it. It's there. It's I, there. I, 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 I was like, <laughs> I, I made the conciliatory gesture when he opined about like worrying about the Miz and the thing. This was to make Scott feel better. Oh, you're hey, so let sweet. Me, let me tell you, I, it's greatly appreciated, and I'm I'm here yes. for it. I'm all here for it. All right. All right. He's not going anywhere, guys. <laughs> I, I, I'm now disgusted by this overwhelming love of The Miz. So we got to cut that down real quick. But in all seriousness, I think that Jeremy's white in that. You know, The Miz is a valuable asset to WWE and a key thing moving forward, because I think a lot of people wonder to themselves, OK, Vince steps down corporately. What does that mean for creative? He's put down the book officially and I almost cried tears of joy. Like he's completely gone from WWE. Now, I hope that we don't have any secret phone calls, Zoom meetings <laughs> saying, hey, do this, that, and the third. I don't want him whispering anything in Bruce Pritchard's ear. Quite frankly, I don't want Bruce there, but we'll get to that bridge later. But I just want this to be a Vince-free environment. I don't want Vince anywhere near creative. No emails, faxes, telegrams. I don't want any... Vince influence on these shows any longer. And I do want to see Vince away from this permanently. And I do want to see The Miz, for example, be able to say what he wants to say without being married to a script. Miz Unleashed would be nice to see. And that goes for a lot of talent on WWE. I will say that I noticed on SmackDown on Friday that some of the promos were a bit looser. Michael Cole was free at last of not hearing a man scream in your goddamn ear every week for 25 years and you lose half of your hearing because of it. He was free talking about the New York Mets, not being able to put 25 runs together in two weeks as they <laughs> covered live play-by-play -play action of Boston smoked by Toronto 25-3. to That was refreshing to know, hey, we can listen to real-world stuff, apply it to our commentary, and have fun. Xavier Woods scaring the shit out of me in a unicorn mask was calling out Ring of Honor in New Japan. So you do see a bit more freedom, which I want to see on these shows moving forward in terms of natural promos and people having fun. That's what I want to see. You know, I and I, I agree with all that. And the, the interesting thing is, you know, you talk about Vince out of creative and, and what's going to happen. 
as far as champions go, I don't think I'd change anything as far as who's champions, who's on top and where we're going. I, I kind of like the trajectory. So I, I am going to be interested to see kind of who is the guy up next, you know, who, who does triple H kind of anoint as that next guy? Because we're still in Roman's world. That's still the world we're living in. We're still living in the bloodlines universe right now. And it's all about that. Bobby Lashley and, and Gunther are great secondary champions. I think they're both two excellent people that hold those titles right now while you have one singular world title. So I, I, I'm very curious to see who it is. And I, I do wonder if Triple H does kind of pull up a Braun Breaker and, and put the strap to him or does he go with a, a guy like Drew or are we just going to hold out until Cody and we get Roman versus Cody, even though I think you could get two matches out of Roman and Cody in separate matches. Definite possibility. You know, I my ears perked up in the show. I, I noticed things left or right, but when they mentioned IWGP and Ring of Honor titles, I'm like, excuse me, what? Uh, that was that was not something I was expecting, and that was like, oh, you know, things are things are going a little bit differently here. But uh, Scott, I think. I think the bones of the construction of the roster and the champions, the way they have set up, I think all of that is fine. I got no problems with any of the, the title holders or anything. My issue is with the construction of these feuds, and hopefully that's what's really going to be addressed, is I would like a lot of these matches, these single one-on-one matches, to circle each other before they have a big one instead of having one and then having another big one a month later, and then having another one a month after that with a different stipulation. All of those things are the things that take me out of being excited for a wrestling story because it doesn't feel special by the end. You know, I'm there the whole time. You know, I'm not I'm not one of those people like the casual fans that show up for the PLE. They're like they're they're the ones that they're trying to get to come back. There's a way to do both, and I think if they choose the right people for creative, they'll be able to cultivate that. Um, my one concern with Vince is that he's, he's still a majority shareholder so that if somebody in creative, like say Pritchard or whoever uh, ends up being in creative and making all these decisions, I'm wondering whether the puppetry is going to be like a marionette with the strings or if it's going to be the hand up the backside and just uh, controlling him that way. That's what I'm wondering is just how the puppet master of this is going to work, because I I do not in any way, shape or form discount the idea that that dude will be trying to run the run an operation uh, behind the scenes. So essentially what you're saying is instead of, you know, how Walter has been chopping Ludwig, that's going to be mm-hmm. Vince on the backside of whoever he got in creative. That's essentially what you what you just said. What you're saying, and I, I agree with you. I, I 100 that dude the, is going to be evil masterminding this thing. Yeah, the the upward grab and telling people which way to jump is is not going away. And there'll be surface stuff like the uh, commentary that he obviously can't control on a moment's basis. But if we're still seeing the same tread of matches, you know, we're, we're going back to the same like Riddle and Seth Rollins in September, uh, I'm going to be a little bummed because it will really indicate to me that they're not taking chances to update the way that they are doing their creative. And that is so key. 
emperor's gotta go with all due respect i can't have him being controlled by vince as vince is sitting on his sexy bitch yacht he's somewhere in in the confines of his boat and he's on wi-fi communicating with bruce from afar no i need him detached from all things wwe and that includes the yes men as well kevin dunn cash out go away bye bye Bruce Pritchard. Don't even cash that man out. Don't even cash that man out. Just kick him off the table. Don't even cash. Nope. You too nice, Keela. Don't cash that man out. You don't get to cash out. We take that man's chips. You have that guy cut his, you cut his paycheck the way he cuts the footage yeah, on the live feed. Absolutely. <laughs> and you split it up among everybody else. That's what you do. Chop it up. Just chop, on, chop it up. Chop it up. Let's do it 20 different ways. Because that's how I expected more segments. ruthlessness out of you, Keela. I expected way more ruthlessness out of you. Way well, too nice on Kevin Dunn. Get him out of here. Well, listen, the man holds a lot of stock in this company. So he's got to cash out. And I'm trying to be respectful. But otherwise, his ass could kick rocks. Because I want to see a stabilized television show where I don't get motion sickness. So the sooner he goes, the better. Brucey, you got to go too, boo-boo. You got to go. You had a nice run. You got some nice checks. Do StarCast with Conrad. Have a life. Enjoy it. I need someone new and fresh in that chair, which leads to our next topic of In a Dream World. As we talked about previously, now it's a real possibility. Who would you give the book to? Who would be the new head of creative for WWE, Jeremy? It's Triple H for me. He's always been the guy that understands what this business is, is going to be, and what it will be in the future, or at least has the most concise idea just being in on boots to the ground for so long. Um, I think that there are other people in the company that have been agenting and have an opportunity down the line, but for confidence, for competency, and for the ability to keep interest from a legitimate like for and legitimacy from like the WWE audience universe, I don't think there's any other option than Triple H. And if the company thinks that there is, I think they're fooling themselves. Mm. All right, Scott, who's your pick? I, I think you got to split it up, man. I Because I don't think, I think that's the problem. Is one guy is trying trying to do everything, trying to run all these different shows. I mean, just we, I'm, I am not, I mean, you got to build your roster back up first of all. And once you do that, I think you need, you do the brand split and you just keep both shows completely separate and you, you really keep them separate and you have triple H run like SmackDown and NXT. That way he's taking care of who's coming up, how they're being brought up, who's coming in to work with them. He's in charge of their biggest show. Cause I agree with Jeremy right there. It's, Triple H has got to be the guy. He's had the most success with the book as far as being able to to create a brand and whatnot. And then I I know it's crazy, man, but I'd let Jeff Jarrett take a stab at Monday Night Raw. I mean, oh god, what, 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 <laughs> hey, look, wh- why the hell not? This is, I would give it to Paul Heyman before yes, I would give it to Jeff. I don't, but I don't I don't think Paul Heyman would do it. I, I don't think Paul Heyman would have any interest in taking over the book. But I think Jeff Jarrett would be like, hell yeah, I'll take that book. 
Give me that Jeff- quicker than that referee shirt. But I- of course, Jeff Jarrett would say yes. Any one of those guys from that generation, if given the opportunity to be uh, holding that over the rest of the industry, yeah, they'll do that any day of the week. I I don't have the affinity for Jeff Jarrett that other people do. I don't dislike him, but I definitely. He was nowhere near my radar of people that I was like, you know, who you should give the book to Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> hey, I, I don't I don't mind a little Jeff Jarrett uh, shenanigans every now and then. He, he's got the wackiness that works on a Monday Night Raw because you need to keep. I mean, if you got three hours to fill, you're not going to you're not going to put on a good three hour show every week. That's just you're just not. So, but you should try. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but you, but you, you go ahead and throw a little silliness in there. Throw something different in there. You know, at least things yeah. can can breathe a little bit. But I'm I'm not saying you're wrong in any sort of way as far as no, no, no. like it, like him being or Paul Heyman not being the guy because he absolutely would be the guy. I just don't think he would have any interest in it. I mean, and I could be wrong about that. The attractiveness of being paid money to do it without having to answer to uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. There are a lot of people that would reconsider that job now that the exterior factors have changed. As long as we don't get Russo. Hell no. I don't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. We might get Brian uh, Road Dog back. No, 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 no. Listen, Triple H, Paul, Paul, Paul. You know, I respect you, homie. Don't call Road Dog. Don't call him. Ro- Road Dog's already shooting a shot on Twitter, I'll tell you. Stop shooting. Deny the shot. Block it. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I don't need him back. So, no, we can set that aside. Now, I will say, I think Paul would want the job. I think he would want to run creative Monday Night Raw, maybe do some work alongside Triple H, because I don't want Hunter to overwork his heart. And it's a very stressful job, and he needs to be alleviated of some of that pressure. So I can see Paul doing a co um, creative responsibilities with Triple H on Raw and or SmackDown as well. I just sense I mean, that there's a good relationship with Paul and Paul and Stephanie and I've read that recently and I feel as if that's someone that you can trust in terms of putting together good shows. He already did it for a while when they did that talent split up uh, a while back with Bischoff and Heyman and it wasn't Heyman's fault that it didn't work out they're just like yeah we're gonna change our mind on this and it came from the guy that's not there anymore so that's the that's the part of it that I'm looking at and thinking hmm but here's another thing what's stopping them from just getting rid of the brand split altogether at this point that is true I I hear that but I mean you got that's that's five hours of TV time. And, and, and I mean, I know they don't have that big of a roster anymore, but I don't know, man. I, I've thought they've, when done right, I've thought the brand split has reaped more benefits than from what I've seen of them having one roster. Yeah. The only thing that I, having two world titles if they didn't have a brand split would be problematic. But if you got rid of one and then you still had the intercontinental and still had the United States title, you could be uh, 
booking matches on Monday to advertise for Friday and Friday for Monday or like Monday for next Friday or Monday for Monday. Just the idea that you have these five hours and you're you're booking long term because that's been the big knock on WWE is that they're tearing up their plans every couple of weeks and there's no ability to build upon the things that they've done in the past and give you a sense of anticipating these things. They've done a lot better job in the last 18 months when they've seen uh, competition advertise a match ahead of time and then get favorable viewership as a result of it. These are the kind of things that, you know, if I were logistically planning something like this would be the things that I'd want to do. I'd want to mark down dates and have the people ready for this. And yeah, I get it. Sickness and injuries and all these things, but it can be done. And I want to challenge the people in WWE to do it and find a better way to tell a story with a whole roster and utilize all of them so that maybe a guy or a woman is on Monday and then the next Monday and then a week from Friday. But at least they're showing up every week and you're not trying to make sure that they get the five minutes in the corner of the ring stage in the backstage. Talk about something that doesn't even matter if Sammy Zayn walks by. You know, that's not that's not good view time. But if you make that plan, if you execute a layout of, you know, where everybody's going to be throughout the week, you're utilizing a roster much better and you don't need to blow up a roster because it feels so sparse. You're maximizing what you have and, and making it work that way. And I just want stability for creative, like scripts not being ripped up minutes before showtime. And let's say, let's start from scratch. I think if you have two distinct writing teams for Raw and SmackDown and you don't have a crazy person changing his mind every five seconds, then you can do long form storytelling. You can tell stories that will be told week to week. That makes complete sense. And you can still maintain the integrity of the brand split by having two separate shows with two different but clear ideas for where you want to go, then merge these two together for a pay-per-view every month. It keeps things in sync. So without the crazy guy there, hopefully we pray he's not there on his yacht dictating how things should be done. We just hope that we have two distinct shows that stand out and you can preserve the brand split. It's not impossible. It's just hoping that without a crazy person there, you can actually execute the vision for what you for what you want your TV shows to be. So here's a terrible example that I really don't want to admit, but I have thought it multiple times. Cody Rhodes, in my mind, had a year-long plan from Mania to Mania to win the title. I think that was very clear from that promo that he had the night after Mania that that was going to be the plan. In my mind, I was like, how are they going to keep this guy strong and not losing all that much and not looking like a dork week to week to week to week? And when he tore his pack, there was a part of me that was like, oh, thank God, there's no way they could fuck this up now. Like he's gonna come back looking great in the winter time, and we're and it's clear sailing. Awesome, great. I don't want to have to think like that anymore. You know what I mean? Like I I want to have faith in this company to build up a strong baby face or build a strong heel, and you know I see the pattern. I I know what they're doing, and I just I want to feel like my intelligence isn't insulted because they forgot what they did two weeks ago, and that's all I'm hoping for. That's my hope, too. 
I feel the same way because this company's gotten lucky with happenstance for too long. Becky getting knocked out. She's a star after that because you didn't see it for her because she's going to lose to Ronda Rousey at that year's Survivor Series. She's not going to be a part of the WrestleMania main event. She got knocked out. Brian Danielson, CM Punk quits. And they say, we had a plan all along. The hell you did. Cody's peck tears. He's preserved for six months on the shelf to ensure the booking makes sense heading into next year's WrestleMania. And this dude, Cody Rhodes, is my MVP of the year for knowing when to sign with WWE. And look at your power, sir. Look what happened in a few short months. My God. There really is one more royal family in wrestling. <laughs> Brandy, Brandy been hard at work on them reparations backstage. Let me go ahead and tell you, little do y'all know, she's been handing them out, little white envelopes everywhere. Here, take is, this. Is she, dri- is she driving a golf cart with a trash bucket in the back? Hey. Just dumping on it. Just, just do, doing the cleave like, I'll be coming at these times. Just come on by. Hey, just come <laughs> on. Let me, let me go ahead and pick them up. I'm telling you, man, the, the, I, the, the timing you both mentioned is, is, very, is very interesting. Just of how everything plays out because – yeah, Akila, you mentioned Ronda or Becky got knocked out and got kicked out of Survivor Series, and that's how we ended up with Charlotte versus Ronda, which was arguably Ronda's best match. So, like everything happens for a reason. So it's it's going to be very, I, I, you know, what's the reasoning for all of this? What's the reason that all this happens? Because like everything happens for a reason. So what's going to come out of this is going to be interesting. And you know, you talk about having one title, you know, having one champion. Then we need one belt, and I think Cody Rhodes winning that belt at WrestleMania, showing up the night after on Raw, debuting a new unified title. You know what? I'm I'm all for that. Me too. That's pretty rad. I'm so like Cody. I have to say, like, dude, your negotiation skills are flawless. You knew when to come back. You didn't predict this, but damn. You know what group of guys I'd really like to have a run at the top again without having uh, Vince bullshit is any one of the New Day having a single run back on the top again. Uh, having a championship run that wasn't undercut in any way, shape, or form or treated like it was a lesser title reign than others. Uh, that That is a missed opportunity that I hope that they have an opportunity to correct in the future. I didn't think Kofi, Kofi had Kofi had a pretty solid reign. It ended on I, a whimper. Ended on a whimper. But I I thought his, it was okay. I kind of felt that they could have done more with him, and he was more of a Rey Mysterio kind of champion, okay. in which they didn't want to make you believe that this guy could be any guy on any given night, and it was more he he could do it because he had heart or this this or that. He wasn't. He wasn't top babyface material. He was upper mid-card champion. And I know that those are two different things. Some people are fine with that. But between that and the Big E title reign, I really just... Those guys deserve, like, a legitimate, like, world-beating uh, opportunity to carry the main title. Any one of those guys. I def- Even Xavier, maybe. <laughs> I definitely won't argue with you about the Big E one. Like, that... You know, that that was simply to create a moment. That was that's all that was pop a rating, you know, look yeah. at look at what we did. I, the Kofi one, though, I you know, I hear that a lot. Like Kofi, the Kofi reign is seems to be a lot disappointing to, on a lot of areas for a lot of people. I, I thought they did as because and you know what? Maybe maybe that is 
what held it back, Jeremy? Maybe you did hit the, hit it on it. Is that they didn't want to show Kofi was better than anybody. You know, they just wanted to show that Kofi was able to get the job done on this night. And that's that's an interesting <clears throat> narrative that you lay out there because that's I didn't really think about it until you kind of laid it out because they they did kind of do that for really everybody except Dolph Ziggler. He's really the only one that he kind of went out there and was like, yeah, I'm you're not I'm, I'm way better than you. Yes. Like there was there was a legitimacy factor that when the company tells you how to feel about a guy, it is a message. And I felt that the message that they sent about Kofi's reign at the time was disrespectful to Kofi. That is honestly how I felt. And it left me with a bad taste in my mouth because I knew inherently that they had circled a date for Brock and they were just going to keep this going until then. But they were there was an end date and they were just going to pass the time until then. And I'm glad that Kofi had got the opportunity for the belt he 100 is a talent deserving of the prestige and the honor and the work rate so like we're not even having that debate but it was just one of those you could have done this better and that's the thing for the future like i want you to do this better and your world champion that's it i thought kofi's run was good but that eight seconds of horror I can never forgive because it was a slap in the face to his reign. And it was like, wow, that WrestleMania moment was great, but WWE builds moments and we don't follow through. And the reign was good until that moment in October in LA. And I get it. I would love a redo, especially for Big E. And I just find it funny when people say, oh no, they really wanted to push Big E. Like, no, they wanted to pop a rating and it was a great moment because what feud did he have that stood out? There was none. There was no feud that existed. He had good matches against Bobby Lashley a few times, a good match against Drew McIntyre, a good match against Roman Reigns, the Survivor Series. He never had a feud. Seth Rollins won a fucking ladder match and everybody got added to his championship match. There was no <laughs> hey, he still ain't, He still ain't had his singles match yet. That man's still waiting on his reparation. He had to jump to SmackDown to get a goddamn title shot. So please spare me. Of This was, oh my God, they did right by Big E they did right for the moment but he did not get a proper championship reign i defended seth ko gets added brock gets added <laughs> what the man won a fucking ladder match fair and square and he has all these people added to his match and you're telling me biggie had a good run having a singular feud no so can we redo that one? Which reminds me of a bonus topic we can talk about. So since this is a new day, every pun intended, in WWE, <laughs> yes it is. What is your, can they go back in time in 2022 and or 2023 and beyond to correct a mistake by re-pushing a star that needs a bit of TLC, Scott? Who's that one person that you would say, you know what, Vince saw nothing in you, but hopefully someone else does instead? Oh, man, I, you know, if you'd have asked me this question like three years ago, I think you could have got something out of Tyler Breeze going back to that old school NXT gimmick again. Um, I just re went back and rewatched that for some reason and he <laughs> completely sold me. But now, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if somebody, maybe the War Raiders and you can kind of bring them in as, as how they're being presented now. 
but it's like you've done so much. It, it's hard to forget everything that you've done with them just because you throw on some Viking low key, you know, face paint from the TV show. You know, that doesn't that doesn't make me forget everything that that happened, you know, where the Usos whooped y'all's tail and took everything except y'all's underwear for five weeks straight. You know what I'm saying? And left them laying in the streets. So I, that's a that's a really interesting question. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think Baron Corbin, you get him out of this, you know, red lobster waiter gimmick thing and you know, or actually he's not even red lobster waiter, he's a freaking Hawaii beach waiter at this point. Get him out of this gimmick. And like I think you can you can legit do something and put him back in that lone wolf type thing where he's like, yo, I'm not that same. I'm I'm older, grittier, you know, type of I like he's a guy I think you could do something else with if you get him out of this, you know, happy. And I, I like happy Corbin. So if you want to keep him, that's fine. But I think you can get more out of him as this just killer where he just walks in the ring, hits you at the end of days and walks out. Baron Corbin out of the ring is one of my favorite human beings. <laughs> up, up, down, down. Every time he's on the show, I laugh. I smile. He's great. I want to see that Baron Corbin on WWE TV. I would love him. The closest we got was when he was broke last summer. That was the closest I got to the real Baron Corbin as a character I can get behind. And they screwed that up. And I won't forgive them for that. But I would love for Baron to stop looking like Tommy Bahama and be himself once again. Why not? So, Jeremy, if we had to redo something in WWE to give a star who was underserved, a renewed push, who would it be and why? What is the window of time again? Uh, Any time between, I would say, the last two or three years to where you would want to, to where you want to see them between the end of this year heading into 2023. Okay, so if it is a talent that is on the roster now, I wish that there was an opportunity to redo Biggie's entire last few years. Just everything about it has just been a curse. And I I wish they could undo that. If we're talking someone who's no longer with the company and I could think outside the box a little bit, the guy that I think that they missed the most on given demographic needs and opportunities is Andrade. Mm. Well, you know, if we go going outside the company, I got to go swerve. Yes. Yeah, you know, I yes. thought about him first, but there was like th- Swerve and Hit Row. They yes. were things that were growing and and there. Andrade was established. Yeah. He was like there was some, like they could have shot him to the moon. He was picking up everything. And it's just like his entire momentum was stopped as soon as one guy saw him. Got rid of Selena Vega with him. The whole act, everything, everything that was great about that act was chipped away and sold off for parts. And now he's doing an upper mid card act somewhere else, and he's thriving. Cool, great, good job, you guys. The hit row cut still devastates me. <laughs> Nearly <laughs> yeah, a year the later, one, that's the one that I was numb to every cut 
during the pandemic. But those cuts in November, when they cut Hit Row, when they cut Keith Lee, when they cut all those people that added so much value to your shows and you try to switch them up, I was done. I thought these were the cuts that were a bit too deep even for me. And the Hit Row cut, the way it went down was so messed up. And I look at Swerve and I look at Keith Lee, I'm like, God. Vince leaves and you're signed to another company and Triple H would bring you right back if we could, but you're better off where you are right now. Tag team champs, but I would love to redo Keith Lee's run in WWE. The moment they changed his music, I was done. The gear change, I hated it. They tried to make everything Keith Lee wasn't supposed to be, which makes him not Keith Lee. That pissed me off. And I get real sick. Well, give it a chance. No. He was fine the way he was, and you tried Wildcat. Wildcat. Bearcat. Wildcat. Carrying cross. Wearing a goddamn gladiator's helmet. He wasn't my favorite person, but fuck. Like, come on, Scarlet. Scarlet. And and Karen Cross. The presentation in front of no one was better than what they did with him. And maybe he can get a redo. I don't know. But my main person would probably be Mustafa Ali when he got knocked out by Randy accidentally and his push was derailed ever since. Then he had that retribution shit. He comes back and look what Vince does. Nothing. Nothing. The guy can talk. He's charismatic. He can go at a high level if you give him something meaningful to do. And I can't even mention all the people that were cut who are in AEW right now. Adam Cole left because you thought he was going to be a fucking manager. Just... He wasn't a star in your eyes. He wasn't a sober, more talented Shawn Michaels, really. He wasn't enough for you. I think about everybody that's in AEW, Andrade as well. You missed a boat on so many people. But hopefully in this new day, yes it is, they can rectify some of this by pushing who you have and maybe in a few years calling back some people to say, let's try again. I'd just like to get a little bit more color in the... uh in the women's division since all we got left is Bianca since you decided to let go of all the other, uh, all my other sisters. So, you know, it's just, just an observation I've noticed here in the last, you know, couple of years while we're at it, we, you know, we used to be pretty diverse there and now, you know, I'm just saying, let me, where they at? Where they at though? Hey, Scott, when they show that picture of the SmackDown Ooh. women's roster, it looked real white. And looked I like love, Christmas. Listen, I love my sisters in Christ from other sisters, but um, to quote Stoke, but um, we need some color on that picture. We need some representation. And hopefully y'all can call Sasha and Naomi on the phone and say what's up. Please, I beg of thee. Hey, you know what? There's still Lash Legend and NXT, and there's an opportunity there for her to really step up. Yes, and I hope that it happens behind the scenes. I, I, I got- love, I, I like her a lot, but she does not need to be on TV. With all due respect. Oh no, her bill, her her uh, her push is going to be legendary. They have more black referee, black women referees than they do black women wrestlers on the main roster right now. So yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's rough. <laughs> Oh, they have more black I mean, announcers saying, than referees. No, I mean, hey, if you're if you're if if you're back, if you know if you notice that and you're like that's not good, I'm like your eyes have it, man. Like that's all I'm gonna say. I'm like I'm not challenging that. It was between the picture and then you know I'm just I'm watching Bianca, you know, line them up, knock them down, and I'm like, man. I ain't, I ain't seen a take on a sister in a long time, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I I haven't heard Michael Cole, you know, say it with his chest again. So I haven't heard no more uh, accomplishments come out. So just been wondering what's been going on. 
Oh my goodness. But you're right. Oh, you're so right. But yay, we need to up the stakes in that regard because it's looking real rough right now. Bianca's the only sister we got on the show. And as I mentioned, the, the, the ring announced the company, the company and, and the ring announcers. We have more black ring announcers right. than we right. have wrestlers and refs combined. It's not good for the main roster. But I do want to touch on another Vince-related subject, and it's his departure and the reaction to it. A lot of thank you Vince tweets from a lot of people in WWE and outside of it. And I know the fans have very mixed reactions to these platitudes of thank you. And I am the mindset of, I thank Vince McMahon for my fandom. I would not be a fan if it wasn't for his creation of what sports entertainment is today, but at its core, it's professional wrestling. But I can separate the two. I can say he is one of the greatest characters to ever grace our television, but at the same time, he's a shit person. I think it's fair to say that he has many faces he shows to different people that love and respect him. That does not mean he's not a shit person. So everybody's reaction is valid and different. So I want your take on your feelings about Vince's departure from WWE and ultimately his legacy, Jeremy. There are a lot of people that have a lot of thanks to give Vince because of the things that he has done for them. And you cannot begrudge him for that. He has at times been a incredibly generous individual whose charity has uh, astounded people. He's also been accused and likely done a bunch of things that kind of render all those really nice things that he did incredibly moot. Uh, I wanted no part of thanking Vince for any of the things that he has done. I feel like I paid my money for these shows. I bought merch when I wanted merch. I have uh, said when a show's good. I have said when a show's bad. I have done exactly what a consumer should do watching this product. And if Vince is gone and it makes me enjoy the show more, uh, that to me is a net positive. It's weird that people are thanking him. It's weird that people are like looking past the things that he's been accused of and deciding like, you know what? I really appreciate this guy. A real bro. You don't even know, guys. Actually, you kind of do know. That's the whole point. We, we, we know exactly what he's been doing. It's not good. And it appears that it has tainted the company in ways that irreparably we have been told that people were undeserving of talent for doing things or not doing things with him. And that's a hard thing to swallow if you're saying, I love WWE. Do you love WWE or do you love Vince McMahon? That's the question that I look at when we're talking about the people's appreciation of him right now. Yeah. And I think there's like a sharp turn either way you go. If you say, I love Vince, well, I guess you love everything he did in the past and, and everything he's done. That might be very charitable. It might be very kind, but there is another side to him that is quite ugly and vicious and cruel and very manipulative. And I think that we have those anti-WWE fans that say, if you watch WWE, you support him. No, I actually support the people that work for a living that try to entertain me and I respect the talent. I don't co-sign on what the company does. 
I've learned to separate the two a very long time ago. It's very possible to do both at the exact same time. That's where my line is. And, you know, I get why people want to say thank you, Vince. I do get annoyed with the crowd because I still say you co-sign on that behavior. You think it's not bad when it really is. And as I keep saying, Things that happen in the real world should not be an exemption for WWE. There must be accountability. There must be consequences. And that day has finally come. But he's not immune to bad things happening to him. If you've done wrong, you must pay for it. And sometimes you got to pay for it with your career, despite the good you've done for the industry. But in some ways, he gutted the industry. He killed the territory scene. He bought up his competition. It's what he does. But at the same time, you can't appreciate what you have via Raw, SmackDown, NXT, WrestleMania. But I'm not going to bow down and kiss anybody's ass that doesn't deserve it. He does not deserve that for me. And the fans that do, you do you. But I'm going to do me by saying deuces. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on Vince's departure from WWE and the reaction from the fans and some of his employees past and present? I think you both, did, you know, kind of laid everything out really well. And at the end of the day, it's it's all just kind of personal opinion about it. And, you know, I don't think there I don't think you could be wrong, you know, as long as you're not defending this guy. That's where the line is for me. As long as you're not defending this guy, I, you know, your admiration or lack thereof is is all justifiable for me. It's you know, I, I treat this I've always treated wrestling Vince McMahon you know, just like I treat any sport, you know, in basketball, I'm a LeBron guy. So whatever team he goes to, that's who I'm a root for. Well, Randy Orton's my guy. So if Randy's in WWE, well, I'm a root for Randy. You know, I'm going to watch Randy. When Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson went to AEW, one of my favorite wrestlers, I started watching more AEW. Like, that's just, that's just how this stuff works. That's how for me, that's how wrestling and watching wrestling works and supporting wrestling. I don't support Vince McMahon because I'm watching WWE. I'm supporting the guys who were on the channel. Those are the guys I'm watching it for. I'm not watching it for Vince. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not watching. I don't watch the Mavericks for Mark Cuban. I'm watching for Luka Doncic. You know what I mean? Like I'm watching for the athletes. I'm watching for the, for the people that are out there doing it, not for the people that are in control of it. And I, I think that that misconception, that 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 thought process that, that you kind of hit on, Keela, where if you're supporting it or if, you know, if you're rooting for, quote unquote, a, a root, quote unquote, rooting for a company or whatnot, that you're, you're, you know, you're supporting this guy who's, you know, who's done these terrible things and who is legit a scumbag for the, and at the end of the day, like he's, you know, assaulting these women and doing these terrible things. And he's got his little posse of yes men. It's it's you you can absolutely support the people that's a part of the company without supporting the company. And I just I, I the misconception there and the thought process that you can't do both is it's mind boggling to me. It is um it's really interesting with Vince in charge that he spent so much time trying to make the entity mean more than the talent when quite frankly if he didn't have wrestlers he wouldn't have a company so that the talent that he has have more power than they ever realize but you know like it goes all the way back to hogan where you know he union busted the entire thing and they never got a chance to collectively group together 
if they did like WWE would have to cater to the talent, not WWE telling the talent you turn against him, like play everybody against each other and have them all squabble with each other while they keep doing what they're doing. You know, that's, that's the part of it that I always laugh at. Cause to me, it's like the talent runs this show talent, get paid talent, do your thing. If any, there are a lot of people that can run creative and they, they say that, you know, WWE without Vince, like he's the, he's the man with the magic touch. He has a touch clearly. Uh, but sorry, I did not mean it like that until I said it. Well, it happened. But, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you did, you did that. Ah, right. Wow. Uh, but there are other people that are capable of delivering a product with that talent and telling a story and compelling an audience to be invested in what they're doing. And it is a hell of a gaslight that people have been told otherwise. I think that man has looked in the mirror because he, to, to, for me, as far as full-time guys or not, or your people in that company, he is the last person that is, his name is probably bigger than the company as far as, you know, if something happens to him, it hurts the company. And I think that is part, he knows all the dirt that's on him. He knows all that stuff is going to come out. And I think that's partly why he never let another wrestler get that big because he knows if, if one of a wrestler gets as big as a Hogan or even a Cena and at this day and age to be that big, and then they get caught with a scandal, that's the company. And the only thing Vince McMahon loves more than himself is that guy daggone company. But how, but how can you even make that argument if Vince McMahon just went down and the company's still going? Well, I think that's, but that's, look at how he did it though. Look at how we, we talked about how he's done it. He's right. gone out with the whimper, you know, he's, he's done everything. He's done everything he can to make this as quiet as possible. Like it, it got real big for half a day and now it's, nobody's really talking about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, and I, I think that is, I know it's crazy. You know, it sounds crazy, but I think that's all his, like he's playing. Like, I think he's playing this out. I'm not saying he's not going down, but he's trying to go down as quiet as possible instead of going out with a bang. I got a sidebar question that we, since we were talking about the talent, do either of you think that the independent contractor is going to go away as a result of Vince being gone? No. Now but with I, TK in charge. No, no. TK, same thing. TK? <laughs> TK. N K? Nikki Khan? <laughs> hey, both. Both. Hey, no, no, no. I said TK. I meant TK. Okay. I meant, sure. I meant TK. He, listen, he is the top, regardless of how anybody feels about it. And, I, you know, I call him PK because he's petty con, but he is the top con right now. Like, I, like, it is what it is. He is the top con right now. So, yeah, I don't think TK going to let that happen. That's that's money out of his pocket, I right? I don't know if he has any say in what WWE does, to be honest. Okay, that's, that's, I mean that's fair, but I I I, like, I don't know if it's watching. like what the what the what the other company is doing. I just I think if there's smoke on the company, in addition to it, and there is a push to perhaps 
look at that and you don't have the political protection of the McMahons immediately there, I don't necessarily think that Stephanie McMahon has the same political clout as her mother and father. So in, in my mind, that's just something to kind of like look at and think like, hmm, that might be something down the line that might be a mitigating factor in all this. Now, as we talk about this, I will say that I don't think the independent contract situation is going away. I think that would be like a situation that would be miraculous if it does happen. But what I do want to see is third party deals completely on the table for everybody to get paid by using your government name. I know the talent name. That's a bit more dodgy because of intellectual property, but cameos, whatever you want to do in terms of Twitch. That should be reactivated for the talent moving forward to make money on the side. And the last sidebar discussion I want to have is that damn forbidden door and that it might be collaboration season upon us. And I hope that it is. Will WWE no longer isolate themselves from competition? It's a brand new day, we say. So, Scott, do you think possibly Forbidden Door 2 will be a AEW New Japan and WWE production at a big ass stadium sometime next year? I'll be that guy. I'll say no. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we're heading that way. I still think, you know, Whoever whoever comes in and takes over is going to still want to establish themselves. And if they reach out in any form, shape, or way, because let's keep let's face it, PK is gonna be like, you know, you know who reached out first, right? Y'all, y'all know I ain't make that call, right? Y'all know I ain't picked the phone up. So when I, I don't think they're gonna want to do that just yet. It's gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna be a ways down the road, I think, before we see any type of AEW joint pay-per-view type thing or AEW versus WWE. Now you could, I could see them letting an NXT guy, you know, kind of roam in a smaller promotion, do some indie shows or something like that, or somebody they might sign happen to do an indie show and they're facing a, somebody who was just on AEW dark or something like that. But as far as something serious, like a, like a Tanahashi mocks or something like that. Nah, I don't see that happening anytime soon. All right, Jeremy, do you dare be bold and say, Hey, maybe in a year, maybe two, we could see this big old collaboration down the road. I'll leave like a 10% chance at the end of year two that this could happen. And that really has a lot to do with things going very, very wrong for WWE and them being in a position of their backs against the wall and needing to say yes for a jump start, either to appease advertisers or get some type of uh, get some type of momentum going. I, I don't fully count on it because I, I actually think Tony Khan would be open to the idea and open to approaching, but wouldn't be surprised if he was told no. It, it all depends on who's running what, how everything's going, the momentum of the companies. Right now, reading the tea leaves, <laughs> it was a scoff like, nah, bro. But <laughs> it... <laughs> but it... it 
will I also feel dumb in 20 months when it's like that Nabro's like, well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I've eaten crow a lot on this show, uh, so I yeah. would not be surprised if next month they're like, guess what? <laughs> yeah, how about that? You know, day one in Japan. Holy crap. <laughs> like uh, right before Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, that, that, that might happen. Yeah. Uh... I would love to see it. Uh, I think a world in which all the wrestling companies cooperate with each other make wrestling better. But I know that that's not a mentality held by all the companies doing what they're doing. Uh, I'd love to see it. I doubt it'll happen. I will go as far to say that we will have more crossovers with documentaries and Broken Skull Sessions. I do sense that they're opening for more people from AEW to appear on WWE platforms, whether it's Peacock or any or any kind of YouTube channel up up down down may we unite the party may they play Uno again I do see that as the first step and then we'll see like big co-promotional shows maybe in year two or three I'm that brazen because hey when Cody didn't resign with AEW the floodgates opened and look what happened we have Jeff Jarrett no despite Scott's inclination of you know he already is a forbidden door. He's doing the flare thing. Yeah, and listen. And with Andrade. And look at the teams. It's already happening. And look at the teams. The look at the matchup. He's quantum oh, leaping. Oh, man. The forbidden crawl space that Jeff Jarrett came out of. Amazing. <laughs> you know, one one thing we didn't touch on, and you, you kind of, you, you hinted on it, is what is the ripple effect of what people, you know, we kind of touched on it with Sasha a little bit, but what people from AEW are like, well, Vince isn't there anymore. Oh, 100%. You know, I wonder, I wonder who, like, you know, what people are like, okay, now I'm more interested in giving this a try, or now I'm more interested in coming back there. Like, I wonder who are those people? Because that, that's that's, that's going to be a big topic of conversation, especially you're, with Cody being there right now. You're also forgetting the part that this is going to drive up uh, negotiations Absolutely. between the companies because there are people that are more interested in, um, like legitimately negotiating with WWE and going back and forth. So this is going to raise the market for a number of the talent. And I'm all for that. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I thought I talked to my podcast, I think a day or two ago in that that is going to be a key factor for AEW stars. Hmm. Vince is gone. And the key factor was I could not be myself with Vince in charge. What does Mox think about, think about this in two or three years? I think about a Ricky Starks. I cannot forget about MJF, even though AEW has in the last couple of months. I do think about that. That is a negotiation ploy to say, hey, AEW gives me freedom. WWE without Vince there gives me freedom too to be myself. And that was not a possibility 48 hours ago, in all honesty. I do laugh when I think about the, for every person that will have legitimate bargaining power between the two companies. You know, there's like five people that are like, I'm going to go bargain because, you know, I would have had a chance if Vince had just if I had just had a, like been able to get to Vince, completely forgetting that Vince had all these yes men doing his bidding the whole time. And <laughs> nothing would change for them mm-hmm. if they came back because their their opinion was there so it should be it should be interesting if there are people that kind of be like we're not interested in you still and then the people that are like 
yes, we would love to have your services. How much, how many zeros do you want in your paycheck? Well, I think there's definitely going to be people just because there's so many mouths to feed in AEW. And I honestly, I'm going to be real with you. I think he's doing about as good of a job as you can, as far as showcasing that much talent and that many people and really giving them a spotlight, but you just can't, you can't do it. So I, I just think it's just a natural progression that people are just going to come back over. I think you're going to see WWE kind of expand that roster a little bit more too. Yeah, they're going to be working on the NIL talent and there's definitely people coming up from NFT and it'll be interesting to see if the NFT talent keeps gimmicks more wholesale than they did previous. But I don't think that the future of the WWE roster from NFT primarily is going to be from around the world. Exactly. I sense that too. And that's going to open things up. And I hope that it happens because we do want fresh stars on these rosters and WWE expanding their horizons without an old man saying what it should be from 40 years ago. It's time to get this company in a 21st century mindset. And hopefully we see that reflective on these TV shows very soon as we prep for SummerSlam in a week's time from Nashville, Tennessee at Nissan Stadium. And one tidbit regarding Vince's retirement was Brock Lesnar not being very happy on Friday afternoon. He left the building prior to SmackDown and before the end of the show, he came back. He came back. He was smiling. I guess the wire transfer hit, got some extra zeros in the bank account, came out. He whooped Austin Theory's ass. That made me happy. Beat his ass with the money in the bank briefcase. And he F5'd him on said briefcase. So it looks like the main event of Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, last man standing at SummerSlam, is still on for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. So crisis averted, but... Brock almost ghosted this show in Boston. And that's something that really says a lot for his loyalty to Vince, but the dollars dropped when he needed to, didn't they, Jeremy? I almost think that Brock Lesnar should take Triple H's theme song because it's all about the game and how you play it. <laughs> it's all about control and how you take it. <laughs> you know, I I was following it. I was watching SmackDown last night because I, I wasn't going to get a chance to watch today if it was going to be the case. So I had to make time for it last night. And I'm watching most of the show. I'm like, how... This uh, this six man match at the end of the show is certainly an exciting way to end the SmackDown, and then all of a sudden Brock's music hit, and he comes out, and it's like, well, you got me. I didn't think you were going to be here now, but this is this is certainly going to be fine. And then and then he came and he killed Austin Theory with the briefcase to the back, and all was right in the world. <laughs> it made me happy because for a few short hours I was like, I love Cowboy Brock, but if you want to pitch a fit. You can go too. We can use your contract money and use it for other purposes. But I'm glad he came back at the very end of the show, beating up Theory, even though he's from A-Town, down. I love it. I appreciated it. I was thankful for he the ass whooping. Beat, beat the crap out of him. It was If you look at that glorious. again, it was, it was, it, that was a Brock beating. Like, I want to see pictures of Austin afterwards because he walloped him with that briefcase. Absolutely walloped him. Each briefcase strike to the back was for every million dollars that hit in his account we need to come back to the building i think it was at least six million dollars that dropped in brock's account at that time i truly do so scott what are your thoughts on brock's mini temper tantrum he comes back gets paid beats up theory to my delight 
I'm gonna be honest. When I when Brock came out, and you know, especially after he you know laid that that whooping on on Austin Theory, um, you know, after after he whooped him like he was gonna like Theory was gonna pin him for the title on you know at SummerSlam, like that he just got told that news, um, you know, it, I just it, it, it looked like to me Brock was giving a swan song. Like that's how that whole ending sequence came off to me. Like Brock was, hey, you won't see me on SmackDown no more. This is my last hurrah on SmackDown. I'm coming back to do this match because that check did clear. And that, you know, I went ahead and added a couple of zeros to that check. You know, I went from a seven to an eight figure. You know what I mean? Um, but I, that's that's how that really came off to me. And I would not be surprised if Roman Reigns beat that dude senseless and we don't see Brock for a long time. Cause I, I, I think they had to pay him more to get him to come back. And this was him saying, this is my final, you know, hoorah. I'm out. I, I, I genuinely think this is it for Brock. Mm. We'll see next Saturday. It's very curious. I, I will say he was, he was elated when he came back. He wasn't pissed off or angry. He was thrilled probably for the money that dropped in his account went to chase bank cashed out had a good night heading back to saskatchewan but you know we'll see i hope that's not the last we see of him but if it's the case then hey let's spend the money elsewhere no offense to him but as we move ahead to SummerSlam this upcoming saturday in nashville i do want to quickly hit on some key matches on the card the aforementioned last man standing match so jeremy do you expect an austin theory cash-in attempt I don't think so. I, in my mind, it seems a lot more plausible that he cashes in in the UK against the Drew and Roman match because that's the kind of thing that they do that they would screw over a baby face that would be around to chase. I think, uh, I think Salty Scott is right that we can uh, have salty tears at Brock leaving for an extended period of time until. A future in Saudi Arabia and other such big shows in which his services are required for a one-time thing will will happen. But uh, yeah, between the the Lashley matchup with Austin Theory and the cash in, you'd have to come up with like a pretty compelling scenario, especially in light of the Liv Morgan cash in that defines this guy and says like yeah he won it it may have been like a chicken shit way of doing it but he's the guy now and drew chasing him feels a lot more feels like there's a lot more meat on the bone than having a roman chasing austin uh scenario that's supposed to last what two weeks before roman kills him that doesn't make any sense two weeks before brock like breaks Austin's leg, gets suspended for six months, and then comes back and gets the title. That's basically the way that they'd have to book it. There's just... And he was Vince's guy. Like, Theory was Vince's guy. Maybe maybe they still do that whole thing, but that's why SummerSlam to me was always so interesting now that, uh, now that Vince is out of the picture because you're really going to get a true definition of what they're are they going to stay the course are they going to pivot does it feel like they're pivoting or does it feel like they're staying the course those are four different like feelings and directions that you can have that we're going to have to figure out by next week but if you're asking me is he cashing in nah he's not cashing in all right scott is mr theory cashing in next saturday 
Man, I, you know, I, I'm getting, I am getting the same kind of vibes, you know, like from Edge in at New Year's Revolution when he had the opening match against Ric Flair for the Intercontinental title, money in the bank holder. Cena has a big money, a big brutal money in the bank match in the main event. Roman Reigns, champion, big brutal main event match. He's got his opening match against Bobby Lashley for the U.S. title. Um, he gets Edge gets DQ'd versus Ric Flair. You kind of forget about him, and then out he comes. Ah, I could see them doing something like that, and that way Drew McIntyre gets to pin Theory. You know, they do a triple threat in the UK and Roman. That way Roman can still show up. Drew can get a big win. You can pin Theory. Two out I, of three falls. Uh, uh, you know what? That's not bad, because then you could have Roman and Drew each with a title and each of them both pin Austin theory. That's interesting, Jeremy. I, I actually am not opposed to that idea because I, I think you kind of create three guys, right? I mean, well, Rome is creative. I think you, I think you elevate Austin theory by him having those two belts. You know, he walks around with that and then you can have drew and Roman both beat him in the UK. I had to be like, um, was it Kurt angle? who had the two out of three falls match with the uh, European and Jericho the, and Benoit. Yeah. That's it. Yep. And each one was for a different fall. I, I like that idea. That's a good idea. Yeah. I think, uh, I think angle had both titles and yes. he lost both of them. One to each guy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like that. That's, that's very reminiscent of that. And I think that's a good way to give both guys a win. You know, all theory can pin Brock on the way out. And maybe that's why Brock was beating the hell out of him. But you know, I, I, I really like that idea now that you said it. Oh, cool. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I'm miserable, so that doesn't help. I just feel like, great. I think, I think it's great. It's horrible. Quags to the left of you, jokers to the right. Here you are, stuck I'm, in the middle. I'm just stuck in the middle. I'm offended. <laughs> I am done to just think that this person that represents my city will be a champion. Oh, my goodness. It's just a theory, all right? See, you, now see, Jeremy, see, now see, you ain't got to do that pun like that. A yeah, theory, because it's theory. You make me sick. The youngest. <laughs> I said good day. <laughs> hey, listen, man, I'm telling you, I, that, that's, that's not a bad idea, because I, what do you, I mean, at what point does Roman lose? Because who do you have, there's only, there's only three guys who we could conceivably beat him cody I, uh, cody yeah. drew and maybe seth like he's got to hold on to a title in my mind because cody should be beating roman for the title if any if there's no other like he's the final boss and i get that there's a match with the rock potentially on the horizon but if you're gonna final boss cody I'm not necessarily like into going back to Seth again, which is seems like what they really want to do. But if you're able to get the belt on Seth at some point after, you know, playing the round Robin here, there and everywhere with Drew Austin and whoever else is in the picture. I mean, I guess you can do that, but if it's not wrong, if it's not Brock and it's not Drew and it's not Seth, I guess it's going to be theory because there isn't anybody else. I mean, why? Why? I mean, if you Rollins winning money in the bank, I just feel like would have been open so many possibilities because you have the history of Rollins cashing in on Roman and Brock to win the title anyway. And I mean, there, there's a natural story there. I, you know, I, you know, it's, it's just 
where at what point does where is the Roman end date? Because that has to be bookmarked. Like you, for a title reign like this, that has to be bookmarked. And who's going to do it? So I, I, Cody's right when the Rumble go there, but he maybe they do split the titles. You know, you keep Roman with that historic Universal title reign, get him to a thousand days, and then you can kind of have the WWE title on the other side as you know a title you can move around. Um, okay, so I got a question for you both. With the Money in the Bank contract and the two titles, is the Money in the Bank contract for both titles if he chooses to challenge Roman, or does he only get one title if he challenges? That's where the wise man comes in, I think. Yes. But I just, Dude, I never really thought about that. We were all presuming that maybe Brock was the title and they split it up that way, but they haven't really made that kind of declaration either. It's still winner take all. That is so, true. There hasn't really been any delineation of how one of those titles gets split up. So somehow I kind of feel like maybe the briefcase is only for one title. Hmm. I could see that. We got to break up the titles. I keep saying that as well. But at the same time, I got to admonish theory because when he used the briefcase as a weapon a few weeks ago, he opened the briefcase and there was nothing inside of it. So any cash in to me would be invalid if there's no piece of paper in the fucking contract or in the briefcase. There was no contract oh, in there. you can explain that. Okay. I don't care. That dude has a safe in his car that he keeps the actual contract <laughs> in. He knew he wasn't cashing in that night, mm. so he just used it as a weapon mm. because that thing is pure steel. He mm. felt it on his back. You know it works. But when he's ready to go, he's just going to pull the piece of paper out of there. He's going to sign it on the dotted line. He's going to hand it to a referee, and then he's going to get embarrassed. <laughs> You know, you bring up a good point, Keela. I actually, I'm going to need some actual footage of not only the referee, timekeeper, and everybody else, you know, opening the briefcase, seeing the contract. Yes. I, I, I need to see dotted lines. I need to see at least an X on the signature. You know, give me, at least give me the old Malcolm X signature. You know, at least just give me the X at the top. You got to give me something. I need, I need some video proof going forward. Especially if we're going to start using the replay since the Usos and Street Profits all of a sudden get replay going on. If we're going to start doing that, I need that for everything. Give me, give me it all. Yes. The moment I saw that briefcase open and there was nothing in it, I need verification. There is a contract with a signature confirming this is official to quote Adam Pierce. And until that happens, none of this is valid to me. But before we go, one more match we got to talk about, which is the undisputed WWE tag team title match, which was originally our first topic for this show until Vince decided to retire on Friday at 4.05, right before, right after the markets closed, actually, to make sure the market didn't crash for WWE. We'll see how it holds up on Monday morning. But in any event, you know, their first match of Money in the Bank between the Street Profits and the Usos were so good. I loved it. And then we had 50-50 booking, Jeff Jarrett's special guest referee, and on top of that, on top of that, Omos beating up the Street Profits two weeks in a row. What has happened to this feud, Jeremy? What has happened? What has gone wrong for me not to care about this match as much as I once did about a month ago? It goes right back to the whole, we're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth to these things. We've been looking forward to this match ever since the Street Profits said, hey, we got winner between you and RKO to the Usos. And that was back 
near near WrestleMania. So we've been going at this for a while. And they decided that they were going to do that match at Money in the Bank because they didn't have enough like on a card to not do it. But in my mind, like this is a SummerSlam match. This is two top tag teams coming at each other. And they had that circle date that they were going to do it and they were going to go all out, but they had to get there. And every time that they have to, quote unquote, get there on these matches, they squander their opportunities or come up with harebrained ideas that actually diminish the build of a match rather than adding to it week by week by week, making you more invested. When you have singles matches with each of the tag teams and you have inexplicable winners like the Usos beating the Street Profits multiple times going into a title match, doesn't make you feel strong for the challengers. When you have the challengers getting their asses kicked by a guy that weighs almost as much as them combined, that doesn't make you feel confident about the challengers. But if you look at it, you really, the company and the shows are trying to tell you like, yeah, these guys are legitimate challengers and they're coming for the titles and you're just getting these mixed messages and it takes away from the enthusiasm and they just have to, they have to figure out the message that they're putting in the ring is the same message that they're telling you on the screen. Exactly. And that was well said and to the point and accurate. So Scott, is your enthusiasm better or worse than it was a month ago heading into this rematch on Saturday between the Usos and the Street Profits for the undisputed WWE Tag Team titles? I feel like I got smashed over the top of the head with a guitar. Um, <laughs> you know, I um, I had high hopes for this match. I thought this was going to be... I thought this had potential to be a WWE match of the year, the rematch right here. Um, then they decided to add Jeff Jarrett and I don't have a problem with them adding Jeff Jarrett to another match because, I mean, why not? Bring as much star power as you can. That's what SummerSlam is, is a big show. But, I mean, you got Theory in the Lashley match right there. I mean, we know Lashley's going over. Jarrett can hit Theory with the guitar, get a huge pop. And, I, I mean, I think it'd be a great opening match spot. Lashley taps him out. It's right there. Easy booking. Easy way to get everybody on the show. We all go home happy. But instead... We do too much with a tag team match that doesn't need anything. You know, they, they don't need your hands on nothing. These boys are doing their thing. And, you know, I, I think it's been very curious and, for me, obvious. They've gone out of their way to kind of showcase Montez Ford in singles competition. He's had a lot more singles matches in the last two months than I've ever seen him have. Ever. And boy, let me tell you, he's looked real spry like he's fighting for a job. I don't know what's going on, what they telling him in the back before he go out in Gorilla. But he looked like he is like, boy, let me let me put my working boots on because he has been on point. He has been killing it. So I don't know if that's intentional, maybe leading to a story because Montez has also been, or not Montez, but Angelo has also been the one getting pinned by Omos all these times. So there's that story there. Again, why would you add MVP in the street clothes to the match if you're not going to go ahead and pin him? It, it just, he's right there in, in the suit. He has an excuse. He doesn't, I mean, they don't need it, but he has it. I, you know, you can, 
I guess they're trying to build to the big moment of where they knock Omos down. And, you know, I, you would you would expect them to pin Omos. Like, that would be the end game that you would do with this. You know, they both maybe hit dual frog splashes and kind of point at the Usos. Like, yeah, we conquered this mountain. Now we're about to count, conquer that bloodline mountain. You can tell that story, but I... I don't think that's what they're going to do. They don't seem to have that type of foresight to tell that type of story of they, you know, they can't overcome this mountain that they failed to get over, which is the story of the Usos. They've had multiple shots. They failed to get over it. Then they finally topple the mountain. I just don't see that happening, even though that should be the story that they're telling with Omos. Omos can take that loss, go back and squash people for a month and he'll be right back where he is now. He's already lost the mystique he had. So you can easily get him back to where he is now. So that's what the street profits should be doing. They should be going over extremely clean. I mean, like Swiffer clean over Omos so much. <laughs> I would love it if the street profits went over clean and then the Uchos got out of the tag division and then WWE got super petty, brought Solo Sokoa up to the main roster and then created trio titles before AEW could. <laughs> the pettiness that of would it be all. hilarious. <laughs> then I'd have to I'd have to I'd have to name a uh, Nick Khan PK. He'd have to be the new PK at that point. He's what I'm uh, talking about. I'd love that. I mean, they, there does seem to be like an idea that Solo Sokoa is heading up to the main roster sooner rather than later. And if that's the case, then there's definitely some stories to be done with the junior member of the Usos. I would love to see it. And I just feel as if when I watched Raw on Monday and Montez hit that splash on Omos, I thought that was it. And then mm-hmm. he kicked out at one. And I was like, fuck this. I was done. It was so stupid because that was right there for the taking for them to win a big win. You climb over one big mountain. You get ready for the bloodline. I can accept Jeff Jarrett as a referee. I can endure it as long as he doesn't bullshit both teams. But, oh, no, let's push a guy that's not on the card by squashing the Street Profits in decisive fashion. And for that, Vince, I'm glad you're retired, bitch. Bye. Ouch. Nope. Do not like. <laughs> and you know, you, you bring up Jeff Jarrett and Jeff, you know what? I he might, Me saying this statement might make me change my mind about him taking over creative. Way to put over your baby faces, Jeff, when he says, oh, yeah, by the way, both teams have been trying to bribe me as far as the referee job. Both of them have been calling me and hitting me up. Like, really, dude? That's how you're putting over your baby face tag team and the most dominant tag team? Like, that's that's how they've been talking about the Usos, the most dominant tag. Like, really, dude? They're both? Yeah, he- like, come on, man. He was at a six for most of that promo, and then when he decided to make sure that everyone knew, he was double J, A, double R, oh, he picked E-T-T. it all up. Oh man, <laughs> that went into overdrive, and you knew who the real star of that promo was. I dang, like you know what, you know what, you know what? I go back, I revise my decision. <laughs> I, you know what? Give it to Stephanie. Just don't give it to Double J after that. Yeah, Thank I don't care you. who you. I don't care Thank who you, you give it to because you're right. If you're gonna do that in the promo, just unwilling, unknowingly, because that was just instinct. Because he he was struggling to remember what he had to say too. Because so nah, you, that's how you're gonna do your baby faces and your top tag team in the division. I'm good. I'm good. 
See you my work here done. Thank you, Jeremy. God bless you because you know what? You do more work than me to say no to that. And it took until the end of the show for him to realize Jeff Jarrett is unqualified to hold the book. And for Scott, for salty Scott, you had to get on a live mic and say, give Stephanie the book. Fuck no. You give that book to Cody. Damn it. What? Look at all that salt in the water. You made some algae, Scott. You For made real. some algae and it's growing. Red algae. You, you, let, you let me, made change. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you who we won't be giving the book to, Keela. <laughs> Cody, Cody Luther King will not be touching that book. We ain't going to have no failed weigh-ins that we can put on Rose to the top. His oh, failed man. TV show. We won't be doing any of that stuff. We won't be entering the Cody-verse. That is not going down. I'm cool Look. if you don't want to do Stephanie. That's fine. But we hey, we are not entering the Cody verse. Yes, Look, we are. Prince, Prince Cody. <laughs> Prince Cody's gonna Prince learn Cody. from King from King Paul. <laughs> and he's gonna they're gonna build a throne together. Oh, that's and then not one day Prince Cody is gonna become a king. A king of WWE. Can you imagine that t- authority 2.0 of Triple H, Cody Rhodes, Brandy and Stephanie in the middle of the ring? Holy shit. Holy shit. The unholy <laughs> dynasty. And I to- call, uh, that, I'm going to call that the Hellfire Club yes. in honor of the uh of the main, of the X-Men group. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that is the ultimate Hellfire Ooh. Club and somewhere in New York Maybe Brooklyn or Manhattan. Somewhere is Shane McMahon saying, fuck. <laughs> that could have been me. Because it ain't going to be me. Cody's got my table. There's no Paul's got my table. <laughs> Liberty Rose got the table before I do. Man, Shane McMahon, <laughs> Shane McMahon is still sitting down in that raw underground basement trying to get the lights back on. What Shane, you talking about? <laughs> he just happy to be having somewhere to stay. He's like, I'm, I'm cool down here in the basement, man. Just Shane suggested a circle table because he realized with four chairs on a square, he wasn't going to be a part of it. <laughs> Musical chairs, and he ain't had one. Not a one. Every chair has been snatched from under him for the last 20 years when Cody is a bigger brother-in-law than you could ever be son and he's not even in the family yeah, I, I think there's a real opportunity for cody to learn from paul and have uh some king keys to the kingdom shit in the future yeah that throne's going to transfer power real soon in like 10 years well I, I think cody uh cody better work on that glue and get that throne put back together that he destroyed with his hammer in that pay-per-view then because uh I'll, you know let's 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 keep it 100 paul don't I'll tell paul you what petty I'll, too I'll, he petty too i'll be i'll be buying the 2022 wrestling observer uh book that comes out in five to ten years re recapping the insanity that that was this year in the wrestling world this is this is one of those legendary years that like every week is just something new it, just like 97 it really 99. was who predicted it the cody thing vince god it happened all in the same year mm. and with that this wraps up a very newsworthy and fun and enlightening edition of the rap right here on the fighting media network as we talked all things vince mcmahon for the majority of this episode and rightfully so this is a huge news story that will have future ramifications on this show moving forward i want to thank salty sky young and jeremy feinstein for joining me as always to chop it up with all things vince and the future of wwe 
you know, it's always a pleasure to come on here and, and talk all, let me rephrase that. It's normally a pleasure to come on here and talk all things WWE. And this was no different. Had a blast, uh, you know, God dag on Vince McMahon. I will say this. I am thankful for him because we didn't have to talk about 2.0. So that's always <laughs> a good thing on this show, right? So thank, that's the one thing I will thank you for, Vince. You gave us plenty to talk about. Uh, we had Jeremy back on. That's always a great thing. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to next week. We'll be, we'll be doing the review. And uh, we got something special on the Patreon coming too. You guys are a party. I'm glad to be here. Fuck Vince McMahon. What a <laughs> shithead. Come on, dude. <laughs> like, the the 20 years that you spent in which that you just completely abused your talent and had to pay millions of dollars in hush money to do it. What a good look, buddy. Real proud. Don't meet your heroes, everybody. Please don't. It's the biggest mistake you ever make. Don't ever meet them because they will let you down every single time, unfortunately. Unless his name is John Cena. That's a hero you can aspire to be. Peacemaker all day. Do, do, do. <laughs> do, 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 do. Come on Except now. In China. Except in China. You know what? Taiwan is a country. And I will say that. Also, you got to get prompt to Becky Lynch. We all know that she's a fantastic human being. Uh, yes. Always looking out yes. for Paul Fontaine yes. and, yes. and such. So yes. not, not, not every hero is bad. And I have to make sure that that's clear. Yes, we want to clarify. We, we go off the air. <laughs> there are exemptions to that rule. Becky, John Cena, class act people through and through. Titus O'Neil, another class act person. <laughs> we, we're sorry. Like Vince makes all good heroes look bad. So we wanted to apologize before we wrap up the show. But they do deserve recognition for doing legit good work in their communities and for the people they help along the way as well. And Scott and I will be back next Sunday morning covering SummerSlam 2022. And also on the Patreon later this week will be SummerSlam 05. And we will have some listener participation on that show as well so keep your eyes out for that and your ears as well for myself for salty scott young and jeremy finestone that's a wrap on all things wwe save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.